Hey everyone, it's your host of See Jurassic Right, Stephen Ray Morris here, just dropping in to say, I hope you've been enjoying all the new episodes in 2023 and 2024 so far. There are new interviews with filmmakers, musicians, scientists, the screenwriter of Land Before Time, audio essays about the rich history of the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World franchise, and all the news about the upcoming animated show Jurassic World Chaos Theory and the as-of-yet untitled Jurassic World sequel coming next summer. I really need your help supporting the show right now, and you can do that by leaving a tip and or giving a monthly follow on Patreon, patreon.com slash There are $1 and $5 tiers, but more is coming. Sharing the show, giving five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts, and liking and commenting on social, at Stephen Ray Morris on Instagram and Twitter, goes a long way to help boosting the show's visibility again online in this new era. I'm an independent podcaster and your support is so important and means the world to me in keeping this podcast running. Link to the Patreon is in the show notes. Hold on to your butts. Thank you. And now on to the show. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And I think that it just like it's just been my comfort thing, like forever. Someone mentions anything about dinosaurs, and I'm like, boom, you're a person I can talk to. Boom, this is comfort. One, two, three, four. Filled with Hey everyone, Stephen Ray Morris here and welcome to See Jurassic Right. I love you, I miss you, and I am shaking with how excited I am to share this interview with Australian songwriter and musician Ruby Fields. Her name is Ruby, and it's also the name of her band. First, a little background info. I was introduced to the Ruby Field song Dinosaurs pretty much immediately when it dropped back in September of 2018. My rad friend Sophie, doctor and a DJ, of course had to share this song from her fellow Aussie. I used to love dinosaurs when I was a kid. I wasn't afraid, I was brave and courageous with everything. 
Obviously, I was going to be obsessed with this lonely rocker that name drops Jurassic Park and contains themes about losing touch with your inner child. Everyone knows I love a good cry, and I show the song to anyone I know with a sense of urgency you have when something like speaks so specifically to you as if when showing this to people, you're saying, if you get this, you get me. In the ensuing years, dinosaurs would go on to go platinum and be streamed on Spotify over 13 million times. A lot of people like dinosaurs, it turns out. The debut album of Ruby Fields, been doing it for a bit, is a blast of good old-fashioned rock and roll. And as I said upon its release a few weeks ago, it'll melt your face, pull out your heart, soak it in beer, and put it back in again. It's raucous and tender, lonely and brave. The album would go on to debut at fucking number one in her home country of Australia. But about a week before, Ruby and I sat around the proverbial Isla New Bar to share our love of dinosaurs, Jurassic Park, Land Before Time, speculate wildly about the next Jurassic World sequel, and I learned a little more about the origin of that song, Dinosaurs. Enjoy. Before we get into all the music and all that stuff like that, do you have an early Jurassic Park memory, or do you remember the first time you saw Jurassic Park when you grew up? Yes, so I will say when I um, got the email to do this, I was so excited and they were like, "Don't if you don't have a big knowledge on it, I'm like, I wouldn't have written the song and said I watched it 50 times if it wasn't true. So when I was younger, I think my auntie always used to babysit me and let me watch scary movies. And I think the first two movies I remember watching were Jaws and Jurassic Park. And I will never forget the paddock scene when it starts raining again and he's filling up his water bottle, Dr. Grant, and filling up his water bottle and um, with Malcolm in the car. And I just, I think that that's the first time I remember taking it in. Like when I think about the first time I ever watched it, that's just the scene that comes to my mind because I know like even as a kid, I was like, something's about to go down. I always loved the T-Rex scene. So I think that was a really exciting part for me. Oh, totally. It's the only, I feel like it's one of the only scenes in a movie where you like, when the T-Rex actually roars at you, it almost like you physically feel the reaction as if it's like you're standing in front of it. Oh, I think as well, arguably, I don't know, but I think the T-Rex in the first three films was so much more believable than the way they've redone her in the latest one. Ooh, I might have to pick your brain on that for a little bit later, but were you a dinosaur kid growing up? Oh yeah, totally. I still am. I've got a dinosaur nightlight by my bed. I've like, I've always, I've even started collecting, like if I ever have kids, like all of my nieces and nephews, I just get them like dinosaur themed presents. Like I'm, I'm still, so I, I'm in the song I wrote, I know it says I used to love them when I was a kid and I don't know why I wrote it like that because I have been obsessed since I was little. I had all the pop-up books, like all the encyclopedias that money could buy, like that I could buy with my little pocket money from cleaning around the house and stuff. But I, yeah, I was very much obsessed. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, no, same thing for me. It was like, yeah, Jurassic Park just hit at the right time to sort of put it into overdrive. This feels like such a very specific question, but it's only because um, I had a chance to go to Australia a few years ago and I wanted to ask it, did you ever go to the Australian Museum in Sydney when you grew up? Interestingly enough, I don't think I ever did that I can remember, but I do remember as well, like any sort of history documentary about dinosaurs, my mum would film it and get me like, so I could watch it later if it was on too late or whatever. And I'd just sit there and rewatch like, even if it wasn't anything good or it was terrible CGI, if it had dinosaurs in it, I would watch it and mum would record it or she'd, you know, get like whatever book it was, anything like that. But I don't remember. I went to the one in England, actually, but not the one in Australia. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I've been to the the one in London as well, too. And it's cool that like as 
kids, there's so many ways we get to experience dinosaurs. It's not just like watch Jurassic Park or go to a museum. It's like, no, they can't print these books fast enough. Yeah. And didn't they um, didn't they have an influx, like a massive influx of people wanting to become paleontologists after Jurassic Park and then realizing it's like an eight year PhD. So I feel like it. I, I can't think of another movie that has made people want to be like whatever the characters are in the movie or even like just want to make movies. I wonder if there's like a classic music film that made somebody like, I want to play guitar, you know, something like that. I think, yeah, like almost famous in all those movies really like, they, I think they show the good and the bad sides as well in most of the ones I've seen. I never, I don't think I ever watched anything and went, that's what I want to be, except Jurassic Park. I, like, I've, I never watched a movie <laughs> and said, I'm going to be a musician one day. It was always, I wanted to do paleontology. I, yeah, again, had all the books on that. And I think eventually realizing I probably wouldn't have the marks from school to study paleontology and it kind of went down the toilet. But I've read all the books though. And I, um, like Michael Crichton's books. Yeah. I just found it so interesting because I only read them for the first time when I was like 20. And just how much it's, science it's like 50 percent or maybe even 40 percent storyline and like 50 to 60 percent just pure science and theory yeah i know and it's funny to me too because yeah i grew up just like you obsessed when i was old enough where my dad would like cross out the swear words in the lost world book like you know reading all this science stuff and then as an adult learning later that he kind of like was weirdly like mad about scientists and stuff and i'm like yeah but you inspired so many people because you did it so well those books i feel like yeah you could like throw a book at somebody be like okay here's how time travel works here's how you could make a dinosaur theoretically the Lost World is actually one, one of the only ones I brought up with me. I was, I'm looking at it right now on my bookshelf. Yeah, it was a very good read. It's probably my, one of my favorite ones. Did you watch The Lost World or Jurassic Park 3 in theaters, or were those also you know, on TV or whatever as a kid? Yeah, they were, they were like all three at my auntie's place. And I remember she had an apartment, and she lived on her own, and it just felt like this little box in the sky that was just where I watched all these movies and like kind of gained this probably like sense of culture like film culture in a way, because I just watched every horror movie or action movie or like, you know, animal based movie, anything that had like (laughs) beasts in them. I just really loved anything sci-fi. Obviously I'm a massive nerd, but um, with Jurassic Park, I just dove head first and I, I will never forget seeing every one of them for the first time at her place. And I used to hate The Lost World as a movie, I think, because Dr. Grant wasn't in it when I was younger. Mm. And I always loved Dr. Grant. I hear like I was the biggest Dr. Grant fan. I wanted to be him more than anyone else in those movies. And I just thought he was level-headed and like this grumpy guy. And I just, yeah, always loved him. So then when he came back in Jurassic Park 3, I got so ridiculously excited. So I think in ways, nostalgically, 3 is kind of like a funny favorite for me because it has, you know, the island and the plains and everything when it's <laughs> yeah. all gone wrong. But the first one will always be the best. Yeah, you're, you're talking to the right person when it comes to JP3. There's just something so, so much more playful than Lost World. And I think as a kid and even now growing up, it's like I kind of really enjoy Grant just being so grumpy and being so over it and just this sort of almost like Coen Brothers level, like everyone is just in competent but like it's still a good time and they still manage to talk about some interesting things and i don't know what it is about the lost world but I, i'm with you like i do think it's a good movie but i'm i'm also like i just returned to jp3 out of those two jurassic park sequels yeah and i think as well um even with jp3 i started watching shameless after like as an adult and i was like oh my god that's the guy that's <laughs> i knew him that's the guy from jurassic park 3 
And um, I went and rewatched it again after that, and I couldn't not see him as Frank Gallagher. And I was like, oh no, this is ruined, almost ruined JP for me. But it's um, oh, and I remember there was a um, maybe it was a PSP game. I think PSP was well before its time. You know, like the Switch came out and stole its thunder from like 12 years ago. But I think there was a JP3 game on the PSP. I just distinctly remember the pterodactyl scene in it. Oh my gosh, my video game Jurassic knowledge is kind of lackluster. You just made me think so much of like William H. Macy and I, I feel like almost his character in JP3 like I could see him almost like taking advantage of the fact that he survived dinosaurs and like maybe his tile business get your tile done from the guy who's you know attacked a spinosaurus or whatever I never thought about like where are they now sort of thing in that in the Jurassic Park universe <laughs> actually uh, one I'd love to ask you because I felt so cheated in JP3 when Ellie and Dr. Grant weren't together and I don't think they ever explained why. Because in, in Jurassic Park 1, that he goes, like, Malcolm goes, are you guys together? And he goes, yes, we are. So I, like, I don't remember if it was ever explained or if there was some other, like, BTS thing. Yeah. My theory is Ellie Sattler is my hero. Dr. Ellie Sattler is my hero, excuse me. And in a way, both of them are still fascinated with dinosaurs. But I feel like weirdly, like Grant, I feel like JP3 is about him learning to love dinosaurs again. And it almost feels like because he like couldn't get over that, maybe that's why they broke up or something. I don't know. It It, it is one of those things where because Laura Dern and Sam Neill are returning for this third Jurassic World movie, how do the, the current filmmakers interpret JP3? Is Jurassic World Dominion going to open up with Ellie and Grant back together because that's sort of the nostalgia and that's what we all want? Or are they going to like double down and like, is Grant's life going to be ruined, you know, by the time we see him now, you know, almost 20 years later? I feel like he'd be like a full doomsday kind of guy and he wouldn't have like left his house in, you know, 40 years. Like, I feel like every Jurassic Park film is incredible as they are for us to watch in the universe are absolutely traumatic. Like there's nothing you could even kind of compare that to in a way. So I feel like <laughs> yeah. he, he was, he, I don't think he's the kind of guy that would have, you know, started singing Kumbaya and he's, I feel like he's going to be a grumpy character to the end of his days. Did you watch the, uh, I'm, you literally have a JP podcast. I don't know why I'd ask if you'd seen it, but I really do admire the world building they're doing for Dominion. Because they've released that 10-minute, um, like, short film sort of thing, and it has nothing to do with the main narrative or storyline. Yeah. yeah, those people in the trailer park. And I just thought that's sick. Like, I don't really know many other movies I can think off the top of my head that have released something like that without being a video game or something like that. But, you know, I just thought it was really cool watching that. Like, I got, I got so excited realizing it wasn't a fan-made thing and it was real. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I loved it. I for me, I as much as I loved Jurassic World when it first came out, I definitely feel like weirdly that battle at Big Rock Short, which Colin Trevaro directed, I think it like it shows that he's grown as a director. I really like that short a lot. Mm, I do too. And the dinosaurs look scary in it. I just found in the first like well, in Jurassic World that the animatronics in the first I know they used a combination of different things, but I just feel like the animatronics in the first film especially the first film and the second film just looked so much more believable that's why i really like fallen kingdom this last jurassic sequel mostly because to see like blue cry and then like blood spurt out and then the claire riding the tea like all that stuff was it felt like it was maybe more campy in some ways but i liked it that the people were touching the dinosaurs again and getting up close instead of kind of cgi standing and like looking far away at them 
Yeah, I think as well, I, I was in so many minds after seeing Jurassic World because I felt like there was all this kind of backstory that was semi-unnecessary, like to get people involved, you needed to have it. Whereas in Jurassic Park, it was like, oh, you've got two paleontologists, they need to check this dinosaur island, make sure no one dies. The only kind of backstory is that Tim and Lex are, you know, his grandchildren. So there's yeah. not really, like, I felt like there was this backstory and it was like this forced almost funniness some parts but I love it yeah. as then that was when I kind of just separated them. I was like, that's why it's not called Jurassic Park 4. It's Jurassic World. So <laughs> you know, I learned, learned to separate it. But then as well, I'm curious to see what you think about, you know, the training of Velociraptors, because I know in the books that what he was, you know, training dinosaurs for military use was what Michael Crichton actually intended for the series and everything. So I know that that's what, where it was going. But I just think in Jurassic Park, um, Lost World and Jurassic Park 3, like the Velociraptors, are without a doubt the scariest creatures in all of those movies and now they're sort of just lovable puppies almost in yeah. the in the newest series that's the thing it, because there is a lot of talk of like well they're still scary yeah i i feel the same way that you do where to me like you know watching a uh, sequest where there's like a dolphin that like was trained to do stuff and you know all that really cool science fictiony like you said uh stuff where like this is actually in a way more realistic for this kind of story and world because you know in our world we we do train animals for war and for things but i yeah i am so curious about dominion as well too in that sense but supposedly if Blue's the only raptor left, I don't know how you make them scary if you give them a connection to people, you know? Yeah, and I feel like in the, the latest two films as well, in Fallen Kingdom and um, Jurassic World, that it kind of was obviously a similar narrative, like invent new dinosaur, hybrid thing, it gets loose, kills lots of people. And um, I, don't get me wrong, though, I adore those movies. I've even seen the new ones so many times. I just There's just something that's always going to, like a whole Jurassic the universe will always have it for me. I, I wonder, yeah, like you said, how they're going to go in Dominion, whether it's going to be about Blue being a mother or not. You know, he, he says it, they say yeah. it in the first about the Indominus Rex, and they say, oh, she ate the sibling, or, you know, they didn't even try to, you know, raise her in a fostering, caring environment. And then in the second one, obviously, raised it again on its own, needs a mother, everything else. And I wonder if this time... Um, <laughs> Blue will end up being a, a mom or like what her offspring are going to be like. I don't know if that's anything that game to touch on, but I'm very excited. Like for me personally, obviously doing this podcast, like I want to know things and I keep up, but I'm also like, you know, I don't want to know everything going in and things that are officially released for me are kind of like, okay. And the idea that they're bringing back Dotson played by a new actor because that original actor is in prison. But the Dotson, we got Dotson here. The idea that they're bringing back that character for this film is like, oh, whoa, okay, what's what's going on here? Do you remember the first time that you even heard a sniff in the wind about Jurassic World or like Jurassic Park 4? Because I remember seeing a concept trailer and finding out that it was actually real. And I will say that my favourite part of Jurassic World is being able to see what the park actually would have looked like because it's so exciting and you're right, it exists in what our universe would make it. It's about how much money you can make from a ticket. It's on an island, you've got to get this, you've got to get that, you've got to stay in a hotel <laughs> yeah. and then it's all these experiences on tablets and everything, which, again, I would pay all the money in the world to go and see that. But I loved it for that, but then finding <laughs> out that Dr. Grant and Dr. Sattler were coming back to, um, for this last one, I was like, what does it mean? Or is it going to be a Jeff Goldblum style? Uh, um, would you call it a cameo, Jeff Goldblum, in, the, in Fallen Kingdom? 
I would only say it's not a cameo just because I feel like his sort of like dreamy, what do you call that? Like a reverie, like a poem that he kind of ha- does at the end of Fallen Kingdom to me is so beautiful and so cool. Yeah. Hey, uh, the, the monologue, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. The monologue. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, I, I agree. He's definitely a, um, a main character in my heart always. I just mean, I wonder if they're going to bring back Grant and Sattler as well in a similar way or if it's going to be a full scale adventure. I think it's definitely going to be more, if only because, and to call back to Battle at Big Rock, I was very lucky that they did one theatrical screening here in Los Angeles, so I got to see it on the big screen. And that was the event where Laura Dern literally pranked us all and like jumped out and was like, hey, I'm going to be in this movie again and I'm not going to be a cameo. But like to me and like the crowd, we were like, what? She's not going to just come in for five minutes, I don't think. Oh, that's so exciting. Wow. I can't believe you got to go see it on the big screen and oh. God, that sounds like my dream. Just hearing your thoughts about it, I'm like, if they showed this on the big screen, like people would like love it. I was going to say as well, when Chris Pratt put up the competition to the charity that you could be, like it was one for the highest bidder and one with a random selection for a charity to be in the film and be eaten by a dinosaur. And I remember I tried so hard and so many times <laughs> to get that. And I was seeing, oh I was seeing their commenting on it shamelessly being like, I have a song called Dinosaurs, I'm obsessed with Jurassic Park, like, I'd be a great contender, I'm not a very good actor, but I'll try. Uh, I was desperate. Uh, no, I mean, I definitely tried. I mean, to be eaten by a dinosaur in film, I mean, come on, you know? Uh, it's like, I don't know if for some reason it popped into my head then how the Indominus dies at the end of Jurassic World. And I, do, I don't know why this has popped into my head, but I remember leaving the theatre and hearing the people behind me say it too, because I said it to um, my friend that I went to the movie with that he was just like full Samuel L. Jackson from Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> yeah, by the, oh, like man. the shark. Like, so it was like a megalodon. But yeah, obviously, so I heard like two other people say it when I walked out of cinema. I could hear someone say Deep Blue Sea or Samuel L. Jackson, which is funny as well because obviously Samuel L. Jackson was in um, Jurassic Park. Yeah, Park, yeah. But I thought, yeah, I don't know why that just popped into my head then. I recently rewatched it and I, I kind of feel like that movie was better than people give it credit for. That and Anaconda. I don't know if you watched that one too, Greg. Uh, yeah, I've, any, again, any movie with a giant animal or anything, I was all over it. It feels like that was like such a thing. I, I want them to bring it back, you know, and not just like on like Sharknado and stuff. I want it to be like more elevated, you know, because the cast for all those movies were so good. I mean, even like Twister, you know. Yeah, I loved even movies like Day After Tomorrow, like even Weather Anomalies, things like that. I loved all those films. Oh, like King Kong, for instance, like that came out in what, like 2005, around the time, I think, of Two Towers and Peter Jackson directed it. And that was an A-star cast. And I personally think was a really good movie, but my partner recently watched it and he was like, what was he doing? And I was like, I think if you've seen all the Lord of the Rings, it kind of gives you a weird appreciation for King Kong, like like his version of it, because you're used to the three-hour movie running time anyway but it's like all the slow-mos and the close-ups but i think he did a really good job of making like a big beast animal movie because there's obviously three t-rexes in that movie as well which is why i loved it no i i would love to revisit it i don't know why i have i actually have a universal pass here in los angeles and i'm i'm always writing that 3d experience that is in the studio tour and it's always a blast yeah, my, my partner has been there to that exact one, and he was like, I've never seen the movie, though. And I was like, oh, you've got to watch the movie. So <laughs> I was like, it's got T-Rexes in it. I know, I need to watch. I have, I've never watched the extended edition of that movie. Maybe there's more dinosaur content. 
Yeah, I, I don't think I've watched the extended version, but then again, I might have because I specifically remember having the DVD for it when I was younger. This is King Kong and it had like, you know, one of those pop-up open DVD cases and everything. And I, I used to watch like all the special features and everything on every DVD we had, especially if it was something to do with dinosaurs. Oh my gosh. The extended editions were like, uh, for Lord of the Rings, were like a film school Bible for me growing up. Yeah, I have seen like on, because I don't have any of those on DVD here, but I have seen and got like rinsed YouTube for every BTS thing that I could find. Like I, yeah, I'm a massive nerd as well. I've got an Elvish tattoo. It was my first one I got when I was 15. So <gasps> oh, That's so cool. I don't have any Lord of the Rings tattoos, but I definitely would get a dinosaur one. <laughs> well, that's like a funny thing. I actually don't have a dinosaur tattoo yet, but a lot of people, because I, I do all my artworks for my singles and things like that. And um, through the dinosaur on the cover of the song Dinosaurs. And a lot of people have actually sent me that they got that tattooed. But yeah, I haven't, um, I, I'm trying to think of the right one. I, I know I'm going to get <laughs> a very special dinosaur tattoo, but just got to think of the right one. Of course. I mean, but that's incredible. And I mean, I was going to ask, or I meant to ask earlier, what, what is your favorite dinosaur? It's funny. As soon as you said that, I was just about to say what, like, because I feel like it's a double question like what do you what one do you think you would be or what's your favorite dinosaur i think my answer is the same to both that i would probably say velociraptor because i love you know i love a t-rex but i'm thinking form and function here and i just love velociraptors because they can be kind of lone wolves but they can also be a pack like hunting animal and i think that they're quite i just i don't know i just think i admire them so much for their intelligence that I have always just thought that that's probably my favorite dinosaur. And then I've done a couple um, couple different quizzes online and most of them do end up saying Velociraptor. The only time it didn't, it said, I think, Triceratops. And that just took me back to Land Before Time. And I think Sarah was like my least favorite character. So I was devastated. <laughs> But yeah, no, I would say Velociraptor. What about you? In Jurassic Park, it's the Parasaurolophus, the duck-billed dinosaur. I just, I like that they're in every movie. They're even in the Battle at Big Rock credits. So like they're the only consistent dinosaur in the Jurassic movies other than the T-Rex and the Raptors. Do you remember the other movie? I forget who released it. I feel like it might have been Universal as well, but it was called Dinosaur. And um, it was like the the T-Rexes didn't speak, but all the other animals did. Oh, I think it was a Disney movie, actually. Like it was like a their first like CGI one. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was... Um, there was like lemurs in it. I haven't seen this movie since I was a kid, but I do remember seeing it in theaters. Yeah, I that was one of my other favorites. Not nowhere near as close as the Jurassic Universe, but that was always another great option if I was in a dinosaur mood and I'd just watched everything like 50 times already. I I loved that one, but I forget what those dinosaurs are called. Oh, the the predator, Carnotaurus. Oh, no, it's the, it's the one that the main character. Oh, yeah, you're right. The, uh, like, Iguanodon? Iguanodon, yeah. That's exactly what they are, yeah. And I don't remember seeing too much of, uh, like, maybe even any of them in the Jurassic universe. No, yeah. Yeah, but that, that was a good movie. There's so many people obsessed with JP3 because, like, the making of that movie was so fraught, like, throwing the script out six weeks before filming. I guess at one point they were going to put the Carnotaurus in JP3, but that dinosaur uh, animated movie was coming out at the same time. So they're like, oh, we can't do that. I wonder if maybe the Iguanodon thing, too, was like, well, we can't put Iguanodon in because somebody called Dibs, which I just find very funny because, you know, a T-Rex is like in every dinosaur movie. Yeah. That's hilarious. I actually didn't know that they came out around the same time, but that makes so much sense. I mean, is there any other dinosaur movies that you really love besides uh, the ones you've mentioned so far? Well, I'm, I'm just trying to like go into my brain because I know that 
I just had this shelf in my room of all the dinosaur DVDs that I had. And I couldn't remember what they were called exactly, but I will say I always loved the opening scene to Dinosaur because it was a pterodactyl flying through these caverns and you got to see every kind of dinosaur with this really great score behind it. And I'll never forget that scene in that movie. But like you just said, Land Before Time, I think as well, I I watched every Land Before Time that came out. I think eventually there was like 15 movies or something. And I watched every one because I was young enough at the time. I think I'm only 23 now. So I watched all of them. And um, I still always loved the first because it wasn't a musical. And I don't mind musicals sometimes, but I think there was just something about the first one that was so much more sad and realistic, even though it's talking dinosaurs, but... It's so sad. Oh, so sad. And just the mother with the, um, with the tree. Like, <laughs> no. Yeah, with the tree star and everything. I just That was probably one of my favorites. I remember me and my friends, um, <laughs> we were pretty stoned one night, and um, me and my friends watched Land Before Time and... It was devastating. Like, <laughs> I hadn't seen it since I was like 12 for the last time. And then as a 20, yeah, as a 20 something year old, I was just like, oh, this is even worse when you grow up. This is so much worse. Yeah. I recently made a case that I think Land Before Time 2 is legitimately very good. I, and I didn't realize this because I think I have more nostalgia for the first one. But I, I, I realized talking to people that there was a lot of love for Chomper and also that Land Before Time 2. And they did this before Lost World with this notion that, yeah, dinosaurs are animals. You know, the, the scary T-Rex in the first one, it has a wife and a kid. Like, to me, that was such a, like, mind-blowing notion. And I kind of love that as far as, like, kids' movies. Like, hey, this character you think is this big bad villain well it's not that black and white which was cool i actually like i still love all the first few ones especially like what you said chomper like chomper love chomper <laughs> and i love the egg nappers as well they were only in the second eggs. one I think, they were eggs oh my gosh that's so funny and then i think all well, the songs that one are good too friends for dinner um what's the <laughs> other one um big 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 water or whatever it is like oh i might even have to watch <laughs> I know so many songwriters and musicians hate being suggested things, but I mean, if there's ever a time for a Land Before Time covers album, I think this is is your moment. I mean, just eggs alone. Eggs, what will we... It's just so absurd. I literally forgot about that. So funny. Oh, my God. I mean, we could keep talking about this forever, but I do want to ask you about your music uh, because I really love it. Obviously, you know, once you were like, okay, I'm going to be a paleontologist. Oh, wait, because I had the same journey where I was like, I want to be a paleontologist. Math. Hmm. Never mind. So then from there, how did you, when did you start writing songs and how did you start performing as a musician? Uh, I think I always loved writing. And so English was always a great subject for me. Math felt like you just said about yourself, not not too much. But um, I love science. I don't recall that I was great at that though either but English was always there for me and I've always written since I was a kid and I think I always loved performing and I was an introvert like my dad who loved sci-fi and all these dinosaur movies and out of space you know was obsessed with anything to do with that and then I'm also like my mum who is a massive extrovert extrovert so I think I would go between watching movies and not talking to anyone and then all of a sudden my mum's friends are over and I'm standing on a table singing Grease to them or something and um I don't think that ever really <laughs> changed. I just think I forgot for a while how much I loved performing. And um, I think I had a very deep interest in building guitars and started on that journey. And eventually through the local scene I grew up in, I um, I got up on stage because the band couldn't make it. And I said to the organizer, I was in like someone's backyard like where I grew up. And I was like, hey, do you mind if I um, stand up and play a song? And he's like, oh, if you're serious. And I was like, yeah. So I played by myself. <laughs> 
and some you know some people jumped on the drums and everything and then I started just calling myself stay-at-home mum and I just toured around just uh, started playing in like my local area and became um, became a band so it kind of just stemmed from that Oh, amazing. And you you mentioned it briefly a, l- a little bit earlier, but when I discovered your song, the moment I saw like dinosaurs, I was like, well, hold on. <laughs> like, you know, I was like, I feel like this this huge thing for all of us, you know, growing up, but like nobody ever writes music about it in this way. And so I feel like the moment I heard your song, I just like shared it to everyone I know because I was like, oh, this person is like speaking our language and has this kind of like emotional connection in this way that I just was very into. And so, yeah, like, talk about the writing of that song. Uh, I think I, I, I totally agree with you. I feel like even a lot of my other music is just about, you know, where I grew up and going out and drinking and, you know, having fun and being young. <laughs> but I think I was just really sad one night. And I think I had watched, like, Comfort watched Jurassic Park again. And I was just sitting in my room. I, I moved out of home, like, as I turned 18. And um, I was just in this tiny little room that I'd moved out into and I just had my guitar in there and like a mattress on the floor and I just started writing all the things I was really scared about and like really scared of and some of them were really like silly and, you know, childish like spiders and everything. And then one of them that still affects me, even though I live on the coast, um, about surfing. And then I just was like, when, what can I go back to where it's something that might be scary, but I just loved it. And I was like, oh, dinosaurs, obviously. I was never, ever, ever once scared of them. And I think that it just like, it's just been my comfort thing. Like forever, someone mentions anything about dinosaurs and I'm like, boom, you're a person I can talk to. Boom, this is comfort. I'm going to go sit and watch this movie. And like, I, I don't know, I think that the happiest I've been in my life growing up and the safest I've felt has always had something to do with dinosaurs. So I just thought I had to write that into the chorus. And then in the end, I, um, yeah, I just decided I was like, oh, I'm going to have to put a Jurassic Park reference in here and just ended up at the end of it going like, oh, you know, I'm just going to sit at home canceling plans with my friends and watching Jurassic Park for the 50th time. And I played it for my bandmates that I have now and they're three of my best friends I grew up with and they were like oh my god let's put this on like the EP and I was like mm, we don't really have time to record it so we only had about an oh. hour left and we recorded it and that's why it was just me and a guitar and then later on I got the boys to jump on the end because we didn't have time to do the whole song and it kind of just worked out that it was it was this acapella you know lullaby in some sort of way and then the boys come in for you know 10 seconds at the end in this big blowout and um yeah, my my team were like, yeah, no, that's not going to be a single. It's too weird and different. Like, we're not going to use that. And I was like, well, for once, I'm going to insist that this might be a good idea because it's something different. And um, yeah. it worked. Ugh. And it just occurred to me, like, talking about the structure of the song, because, I mean, in a way, that's kind of like Jurassic Park, the movie, where, you know, for the first, what, like, 30, 45 minutes, you, you're kind of, like, just learning about the story and, and kind of getting the stakes and the emotion and the setting. And then it's really kind of, you know, a, you know, it just kind of blows out and goes out from there. So the song, in a way, kind of matches the same kind of thematic structure as the movie, which is really cool. Yeah, uh, it just popped into my head that, because obviously I love John Williams, if there was one composer I could watch. I've seen Hans Zimmer, and that was amazing, but it's just, uh, until I can, like, hear all of the most nostalgic scores from my childhood. Oh. But I, I was just thinking, because I've just moved a piano inside to our dining room, and um, I was like, after this, I've got to like put a note aside to learn the Jurassic Park score, like the main theme <laughs> on piano. And I was just thinking yeah. then, I was like, I've got to be ADHD, and I was just sitting there going, it'd be like C, A, C, uh, B, D. <laughs> like I was just sitting there going, what, what would that be? 
Um, I, I, was, I was so excited for this chat today because I haven't. I don't think I've spoken to someone else that really loves um, dinosaurs as much as I do that I have around. No. Me. Yeah, there's just something, again, when I just first heard the song, I was like, oh, wow. So, like, it was just so cool to hear someone articulate it in this way, because, yeah, it is this kind of thing where, like, you know, for me, it is this, like, connection to, to like, a, a feeling of home. And so it's one of those things where it's, at least here in L.A., they'll, like, show Jurassic Park, like, on the big screen a lot. Like, oh, just, you know, like, or pre-pandemic, they'll just, like, you know, we're, we're just showing Jurassic Park on a Sunday at, like, you know, one of the smaller, like, theaters. Oh, like, want to go see it, you know, outdoors or whatever. And I'm just like, I don't want to cry in front of all my friends, you know? Like, <laughs> I just, like, because it, it just means so much. Oh, I um, I was just thinking about um, yeah, that moment again of just uh, just how good the first movie was, especially in terms of structure. Like, oh, sorry, I just keep getting distracted thinking about Jurassic Park now. I was just thinking that they did all the Harry Potters. Like, I think it was like one every year they would do it in the opera house and things over here. And I never got to see it because I was always away or I couldn't afford it or something at the time. And they did something like that. I don't know if it was John Williams or not, but it was the exact same thing where you would, um, you'd watch the film with the live score. I just think something like that would be incredible. But even seeing Hans Zimmer, I think, um, listening to Lion King and to Pirates of the Caribbean and things like that. And it's just like, I can't believe I'm sitting here listening to <laughs> something that's so ingrained in my brain and it's not through a television. I'm actually listening to all of these instruments right now together creating a sound that I could recite backwards. It's just, oh, just, oh, amazing. I don't know. I can't remember. This was probably like maybe, maybe even like 10 years ago when like 3D movies were a thing and they like redid Lion King in 3D. And it was very funny because I went to a theater. It was like a Friday night. It was, you know, mostly adults because it's like a Friday night, uh, you know, or at least like late teens, adults. And like, during the course of the movie, everyone slowly started just singing along. Like it was just sort of like, you know, with the opening is and then by the time like I just can't wait to be king, like everyone was wow. just like, Who cares? We're singing along. Like it was such a it was such a joyous occasion. Yeah, that's a, like when I went to see Hans Zimmer, I think it was at Ace Arena in Homebush and up in Sydney where I live what used to live. And um he bought out the original singer and lyricist of the circle of, oh of life. Yeah. And it was like, he went from like angels and demons or inception or something to like the sun coming up over the stage and the guy just walks on and just starts singing. And everyone in the audience was like jaw dropped. It was incredible. But the one song I really wanted to hear was Uguay Ascends from Kung Fu Panda 3. I have to say he elevated that movie like those three movies so much with his score. Yeah, it's crazy how much uh, music is an important part because as soon as you go, da 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 I was like, oh, Jurassic Park. Like, it's just yeah. such an important part of what makes that movie so nostalgic and like instantly a classic, you know? No, I mean, yeah, I can't even... I feel like honestly half the reason why I have a Universal Studios pass to go is even when the uh, the ride here was closed because they did a Jurassic World like sort of refurbishment to it and updated it. There was like about a year where the ride wasn't running, but like they were still playing the theme. So it's like even just kind of like sitting there, like going for lunch or whatever, riding the mummy Transformers, but then just coming out and just hearing the like, dun, dun, like you're just like, man, my oh. day is just, I feel so good right now. You know, like it's so funny you say that because you sound so much like me. Um, I actually just <laughs> moved up to like near a place called the Gold Coast, which is near Queensland. And um, it's where like the three biggest theme parks are in Australia. So me and my partner actually have like yearly passes to go whenever we want. And yeah, maybe it takes away some of the novelty, but 
especially like movie world. It, what we have over here is absolutely nothing compared to what you guys <laughs> have over there. But still walking through movie world and hearing all the theme songs to everything and, you know, all the um, the overly cartoonish kind of like like bars and cafes and everything. I just, I'll, I don't, I'll never not love it. And, you know, we're joking about having to have kids so that you can like get into all the kids stuff. I'm like, I'll do it. I don't care. I have no shame. <laughs> this is me nurturing my inner child. Of course. Yeah, yeah. We can't let go of that. Like, I mean, it was Australia, actually, that that trip was what got me inspired to sort of anytime I travel, whether it's for work or for fun, I always want to like stop by, you know, and see the dinosaurs. Yeah, because I was going to say it's so funny. I've never been anywhere. Um, like, I've been to a couple of museums in Australia, but never to like a anything that had dinosaurs. But I remember again in London going to see, have you seen the huge T-Rex they had, like the life-size T-Rex yeah, yeah. they have there? Oh my God, I remember standing in front of it. And even though I know those things don't exist anymore, like it was like Jurassic Park come true for me, like for a second standing there. And I remember standing directly in front of it as it kind of moved. And I remember my heart went into like fight or flight. It was like, oh my gosh, this is so realistic. This is what, what it would, because I've always imagined as a kid, you know, the size of a T-Rex. My boy, I always used to be in my bedroom and imagine the scene from Lost World in San Diego where, you know, he's in a backyard drinking or eating the dog or whatever. And um, I was like, how big are they? Are they going like up to the second <laughs> story? Are they bigger than that? And then it was like this moment standing there looking at it going oh yeah you're big they just updated the ride here again with and there's a full size indominus and whoa like when we talked about you know animatronics versus cgi earlier and you know cgi has its place but like i get now why in the original movie it's like a real animatronic is it's like the real thing and like i I mean i think it was on like a little track that they like kind of moved it forward but like they still kind of made the legs look like it was walking so you were just like oh my god you know like if you were on a little bit of mushrooms you might have thought that thing was real you know that's funny because i have like been dying my whole life i've only ever been in the states once to do like to have this short meeting and i literally was so jet lagged but got there flew straight home basically i just wish more than anything that like because i've never been to i think the only theme park i've been to overseas was disneyland paris when i was heaps younger and like i've always just like i i will sit there when i'm bored and build the budget like an imaginary budget to go to America <laughs> simply for Universal Studios and like because it's Disneyland and Disney World, right? Yeah, yeah. I've I've literally just done budgets to make sure you know one day I'm going to get there. I know where I'm going to stay. I know what I'm going to do. I know which rides I'm going to go on. Like I just get obsessed with the idea, especially Universal. <laughs> that Jurassic Park ride and the Jaws ride was always my dream. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Obviously, like quarantine and all the pandemic and all this stuff. Like, were you making an album before that? And then like, did you or did during COVID, did you come up with an album, basically? Um, I actually recorded, we recorded the album at the beginning of the pandemic. So we recorded the demos and everything in October 2019, right before the pandemic sort of hit, I suppose. Like it hit us in like March 2020 in Australia. So we just basically started recording our album. So really it was, um, it's, we've just been sitting on it and waiting for a time where we can tour it because I feel like a lot of Ruby Fields is the live aspect. You know, it's us joking around on stage. It's the accessibility and the, sense of humor about everything and the realism of like of it all and relatability sorry I'm trying to say and you know we're three best friends we all have lived together for so long and you can see that on stage and we were like it's not it's not gonna be worth releasing the album because I know obviously a lot of people overseas you know we won't be able to (laughs) run over and play a tour but it's quite important for us to be able to tour at the same time so we wanted to wait and I think now the rest of the world's catching up and we're a little bit behind at the moment which is really disappointing with the jab rollout and stuff like that so hopefully very soon we can come overseas and play shows and tour the album yeah I mean all, all the songs of this new album just like even um I was gonna say like worms or something like that like I could just see that being like live you know just everyone saying go fuck yourself like in the audience like that would be the coolest thing uh, well, we've actually played it a sneaky few times live at the smallest shows that we've been able to put on um, COVID Save over here, and it's just our favourite. Like, no one needed to know the words. It was literally a song I wrote that started as an apology to my guitarist because we'd just gotten drunk and mad at each other the night before, and we usually are too stubborn to apologise, so we write songs for each other. And um, <laughs> it started as, like, this sort of poor me, you know, woe is me sort of thing, and then it just kind of turned into talking about how happy the boys make me and how they're like my family. And then it just turned into this like metaphor about worms that just rhymes. <laughs> and then at the end, it was just like, I just wanted this big go fuck yourself moment. And then sang it to the boys and we all just laughed. And I think it was like the last show um, on a tour we were doing around Australia at the time. And it was like a really nice way to finish that tour. That sounds so lovely. Yeah. I feel like this, the rule of thumb on this podcast is anytime I meet somebody who like loves JP3, it's like, all right, we're going to be best friends. Like, it's just, <laughs> yeah, this has been so lovely. And this song I feel like is to, to people in my life, it's like the dinosaurs has especially become a song that it's very much like, if you, it's kind of like Fallen Kingdom. Like when when I saw people crying when the Brachiosaurus died, oh, I was like, shot. "Yes, people love dinosaurs as much as I." You know, I feel like this song is a thing. When when I first heard it, it was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, yeah, like this does make me feel a certain way. So, oh, uh, that on that note, quickly though, my gosh, when I saw that at the theaters, I was. A wreck. And then I think I saw Fallen Kingdom twice at the theaters. And then I've watched it a few times um, on Netflix. And um, my partner was like, I've seen it, but 
I don't really remember. He goes, does it have that sad bit with the bit long neck dinosaur? And I went, yeah, it does. And we rewatched it. And we were both, I think he like started crying because I was crying so much. I can't help it as soon as I see it. And he's like, it didn't really happen. I'm like, but it did all those years ago when there was asteroids coming. And I was just like, oh, it, was, it happened once. And then he was just like, oh my God, get over it. And I was like, no, nah, I couldn't. <laughs> I, that gets Never. Never. We'll never get over it, you know, until we can build a time machine. Uh, This has been so incredible. Thank you so much for chatting with me. Uh, No worries at all. It was such a pleasure to meet you. I'm not going to lie. I did like a a deep scour and obviously another fellow Jeff Goldblum fan. So I was like, okay, this is going to be unreal. Well, okay. So I have one last question, which is when was the last time you actually watched Jurassic Park? Uh, It actually wasn't too long ago. I often get pretty bad cramps. And so my partner knows to put comfort movie on when that happens so maybe like a month ago and um we've together we've watched we've been best friends for seven years but together we've watched it a lot and um yes i'd say maybe a month ago i also imagine if you're touring like that would just be a movie that would be on all the time (laughs) yeah it's it's that or lord of the rings things like that we just kind of keep on always (laughs) i would love to talk to you again more about um all this good stuff Yes, please. And, you know, if we ever make it over there, I would love to have a personal guide around Universal. Uh, sign me up I, there in an instant. You will have, you know, a time at Universal 65 million years in the making. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Uh, thank you so much. <laughs> no, thank you so much. So lovely to meet you. Pull up at the bottler. The lady, she wants to know why I got my crinkle passport instead of Thank you again, Ruby Field, so much for chatting with me and congratulations on the number one album. I can't wait till you're touring over here. You'll have to make a pit stop at Universal Studios and we can ride the Jurassic World ride. Also, thanks again to Ruby's team as well. Thank you again to Sophie so, so much for introducing me to her music. Thank you to Andrew Roebuck for editing this episode, Brenna White. And thank you again to anyone who's ever quote unquote loved dinosaurs as a kid now and forever. Even though they're harmless
harmless I don't like their numerous legs and find their eyes quite charmless and I'm scared of falling not the jump just the landing a parachute is fine as I still end up standing And I always think of when I was little and all of the things I chose to love instead. And I used to love dinosaurs when I was a kid. I wasn't afraid, I was brave and courageous with everything I did. And I'm scared of the fact I've been to more funerals in my life than weddings. I've lost some close mates of mine and I'm scared of surfing. Held underwater choking Am I trying to impress you? Is it working? Acting blokey And I always think of when I was little and all of the things I chose to love instead. And I used to love dinosaurs when I was a kid. I wasn't afraid, I was brave and courageous with everything I did. And I used to love dinosaurs when I was a kid. I wasn't afraid, I was brave and courageous with everything I did. And I feel like a loser, I've forgotten how to imagine and pretend So I'll just watch Jurassic Park for the 50th time avoiding plans I've made with my own friends Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.